I made another record that was wasn't the soul based, and I threw it out because it was it was okay. I spent quite a bit of time on it, but I've done that in the past, and I let things go. And I was trying to make a record that was centered around singing. So uh, I finally came around to the realization that the greatest vocal music is, of course, gospel music and then soul music. You know, this is. Uh, I mean, for pure. For pure singing, there is really no greater music than gospel music. It's just some of, you know, I mean, all our great R&B singers, Sam Moore, Sam Cooke, these guys all came through the church, you know, and uh, from the Soul Stairs, Sam Cooke, you know. So, so I realized that, oh, well, the great singers have sung soul music, you know. And all my heroes the, who I cover on this record, not as good, but I give it a shot. Uh, Jerry Butler, David oh, Ruffin, Levi Stubbs, William Bell, all of these guys, incredible singers. And, 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 what was and, the, and some great songs. What was the first song that, you, that got you to make uh, this album? Do I Love You, which is a song by a guy named Frank Wilson. Frank Wilson was generally part of the Motown backline. He was like a producer uh, uh, and a songwriter. But he made this one single. That was a huge hit uh, in the northern soul scene in England and over in the States, not known at all. You know, so I came across it in a northern soul compilation. And I said, oh, my God, this thing is this is a classic Motown record. Yeah. If I can get up high enough, if I can sing high enough, I'm going to cover this. Thing. You crush some of the so, notes on this uh, thing. I go, oh, so, my God, you don't hold so, back on that one. It's so I much. got... I got up, I got up high enough, and and it's just a great production, and it was just a it's just a beautiful record and a beautiful song. So that got me started. Once I once I hooked into that one, I kind of moved around to other things, and I was listening to a lot of also Carolina beach music, which uh, is kind of a subgenre in this in the South, and like Tyrone Davis turned back the hands of time. The Tops' first big hit that they had after they left Motown, which is a when she was my girl. This all kind of falls also into that beach, beach music. But genre. where do you hear So I was you, listening to that a lot. Are you driving in your car and you just... You no, I, I sit around and I just surf. I, I just surf the internet and I listen to... I just try to find things And then you I sing like. along with it and you go like... Oh, I, I could, can sing that. I could do that one. Yeah, I do that. You did, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anybody alive Hey, how's it going? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 129. Covers volume one, only the strong survive. First listen. Thanks as always for listening and downloading the show from the website TrampsLikeUsPod.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you found the show. Stay in touch with us at the Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. So we got a new Bruce Springsteen record here. Uh, it just came out. I'm recording this on the day of release, November 11th, 2022. And like the last bunch of Springsteen releases, 
you know, we're not going to do an album review on this record per se. You know, it just came out. How can I really give a, how can I give an album review on a record that kind of just came out? You know, you kind of need some time to sit with the album. You need a bunch of listens. But what I've been doing with kind of some of the last Springsteen releases, like Letter to You and Western Stars, and uh, I think I did it with a little Steven's Summer of Sorcery, is I'm going to play the record for the first time. And as I play each track, I'm going to give you my first impressions on my first listen for this record, right? So I'm excited about this record, Springsteen doing a bunch of soul covers, right? I love soul music. I just returned from a road trip, going down south and visiting all the, the places I like, Memphis and Nashville. But I hit Stax, and I hit Motown for the first time, usually when I'm doing that road trip. When I drive through Detroit, uh, it's usually early in the morning, so Motown's not open. But this time I did the kind of, uh, I did the itinerary in reverse so I could hit Motown on the way home, and it was it was fantastic. It was tremendous to be in that studio and soak in all that vibe that those guys in the '60s, you know, had there in Studio A, recording all those incredible soul songs. Right, so I'm excited to hear what Springsteen does with this music. You know, he's covering a bunch of Motown songs. There's a few Stack songs in there. He's got it all covered. He's doing some songs from the Philly sound. Uh, some of that Atlantic stuff, and there's a couple of like oddballs sprinkled in there as well too. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I got the record here. I just got the vinyl in the mail. It just came to my door, right? So I'm going to open it up here, opening up, peeling the plastic off here, ripping this off. <laughs> here we go. And the cover here, it's a black cover. We got like kind of a, 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 a rectangular shot of Springsteen on the left. He's leaning on a car hood here. And he's giving us kind of that uh, that look to the side kind of thing, right? He's got some bracelets on. Uh, we get the, uh, the 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 title of the record here, Covers Volume 1. And then in big, bold, yellow letters, all in capitals, Only the Strong Survive. And then we get Springsteen in white. Uh, what kind of car is that? Is that a Bonneville, maybe? So we turn the record over, and we get the song titles listed there. Uh, three sides, side A, side B, side C. We got five songs per side. It's a double record set, so I assume the fourth side is kind of one of those probably blank sides, like an etching or something like that. And we get another shot of, uh, we get a bigger shot of the car there, full shot of the car, and Springsteen's leaning up against the driver's side door. It looks like it's a, it's a muscle car, like a Hemi. Is it a Plymouth? Like a maybe a, a Chevelle? Uh, like a Barracuda? It's got a soft top. It looks like it's like a dark green. Uh, my dad would be able to tell you what car that is. But uh, yeah, it looks like a muscle car. Uh, I like the design of the records. It's very kind of like uh, '60s style with the uh, the the bordering, and it's got little notes like uh, stereo LP and guaranteed high fidelity, and little design stuff like that. I like those uh, record covers from the '60s. So let's open it up. Pull the plastic off it here. Double record. We'll open it up. It's got a gatefold. Oh, we get another shot of Springsteen inside the car. <laughs> nice leather interior here. Springsteen's kind of got his, uh, he's, he's sitting there at the driver's side and he's looking over at us, kind of giving us that look like, hey, what are you doing? What are you looking at? Kind of thing, right? Pulling the records out here. The sleeves are cool. Wow. We got, uh, they're like Columbia labels. I love that. I, I hate when they do those custom labels on a vinyl and get pictures. I just like the regular, like old. We get the classic Columbia Records record label. Usually it's in, it's in red, but this one is in green. On the other side has a picture of that, uh, two lane highway there with the, uh, the road dividers there. That's that was a teaser pick that he posted before the record was announced. The other record comes out. It's uh, the same kind of thing. It's that uh, classic Columbia uh, label, but it's in yellow this time. And the other side's got a picture of the steering wheel. And we get a nice little uh, four-page twelve by twelve booklet here. It's got a 
kind of a poster of the bigger front cover there on the inside. It's got some details, car radio, picture of the production team, Springsteen with Ron and Yellow and Ron, Rob, Labrette, Labray, the night shift they're calling themselves. We've got some credits here. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about this record here. we got the record open. We're going to put it on the turntable soon. I'll give you my first impressions on each song here. We're looking at some credits recorded at Thrill Hill Recording. That's Springsteen's uh, home recording studio there in New Jersey. Produced by Bruce Springsteen and Ron and Yellow. This is his 21st studio album. Or is it his 20th? Like, I know High Hopes. I don't really count High Hopes as one of his records. I guess I should. It's a studio record. It was released. So, yeah, maybe that, including High Hopes, this one will be his 21st studio album. His second covers album, right? The, the Seeger Sessions record he did in 2006 was that 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 was a covers record on this one like i said he's covering soul music covering stacks covering the philly sound covering motown music right and as we've heard springsteen was focusing on his singing for this record right selecting songs that would best suit his voice some of that american soul songbook of the 60s 70s and 80s Right, uh, showcasing some of the best songwriters and singers of all time <laughs> right 15 songs here and it says covers volume one, so there's probably another 20 or 30 left in the vault when he was doing this project. So it's uh, it's interesting to see which songs he picked to be released on this first volume, right? So before he released the first single ahead of the, the record coming out, he put out this kind of video, this two or three minute clip of him in his garage standing up against a car and kind of just telling why he put this record out, the concept behind the record. So uh, So let's hear from the boss himself on the concept of this record. This covers volume one, Only the Strong Survive. Greetings, fans, friends, and E Street Nation. I am here today to tell you a little bit about my new record. Now, shortly after Letter to You, and still during COVID lockdown, I went in my studio to record some music I hadn't written but felt I'd like to record. And this was something I hadn't done since the Seeger Sessions. Now, my producer, Ron Yellow, my engineer, Rob Lambrett, and myself, christened ourselves The Night Shift, and we went to work in our off hours. Before I knew it, I had an album done, but of course, I threw that one out, because that's how I roll, and that's when we begin. So as in the past, never to be deterred, I kept recording, and on my second try, I found a theme I wanted to explore. Now, I'd spent my working life with my voice, at the service of my songs, confined by my arrangements, by my melodies, by my compositions, and by my constructions. My voice always came second, third, or fourth to the expression of those elements. But this time, I decided to do something I had never done before, make some music that is centered around singing, around challenging my voice. Now, in my own memoir, I give my voice a little short shrift by saying I didn't think I had much of one. But once I started on this project, after listening to some of the things we cut, I thought, my voice is badass. I'm 73 years old. I'm kicking ass. I'm a good old man. <laughs> now, of course, the music that led to this epiphany and gifted me this insight was soul music. Soul music, along with gospel, is some of the most beautiful vocal music ever written and recorded. So I went back and I revisited Smokey Robinson and David Ruffin and Jerry Butler, Levi Stubbs, Sam Moore, Tyrone Davis, 
William Bell, The Supremes with Diana Ross singing. I put my own spin on the singing and my team mastered and sonically modernized some of the most beautiful songs in the American pop songbook. I had so much fun recording this music, I fell back in love with all these great songs, the great writers, and great singers, all of them still underrated in my opinion. And through the project, I rediscovered the power of my own voice. Now, I hope you have as much fun listening to this music as I did recording it. The name of the record is Only the Strong Survive. All right, so I'm ready. I'm ready to drop the needle on side one of this double record set. Covers volume one, Only the Strong Survive, soul covers. And the record's going to kick off with the title track, Only the Strong Survive. The song was written by... Jerry Butler, Kenny Gamble, and Leon Huff. And some great songwriters, part of that Philly soul sound. Uh, this song came out in 1969. Uh, Jerry Butler had the, the version of it. The, he wrote the song, and he, he has got a great version of it. Um, I also love the Elvis Presley version. Right, Elvis Presley put this out in 69 on the From Elvis in Memphis record, which was his follow-up to the big uh, 68 comeback special. So, uh, you know, great version of that with the organ off the top. And I remember my first love affair. Right, so I assume that's where uh, Springsteen heard it, but I'm sure he's familiar with the Jerry Butler version, which is kind of a little bit better. <laughs> right, so let's hear, uh, see what Springsteen does here with Only the Strong Survive. Now I remember my first love Of course the whole thing went wrong And my mama had some great advice So I thought I'd put it in the words of this song Cause I can still hear her saying She said, boy oh, I see you sitting out there all alone You're just crying your eyes out Into the cold gray dawn gonna be a whole lot of trouble in your life so listen to me get up off your knees cause only the strong survive that's what she said only the strong Alright, so not bad, pretty good version. I was going to lay out my expectations there before we started to listen, but I did, but this is kind of what I expected, is that Bruce's vocals sound great, the production is, it's okay, and uh, you know, the originals are going to be better. Alright, <laughs> these are some of the greatest songs ever written, ever recorded from that renaissance period of music there in the, in the which, you know, Stephen has referred to as like the 50s to the 70s, but I kind of include some of the 80s in there as well. But, you know, that period from, I don't know, whatever you want to say, 1952 to 1992, it's just such an incredible <laughs> uh, few decades of music there that I think will be studied and looked upon 
hundreds of years from now is just such a renaissance in music the way you know people look at classical music hundreds of years ago and, and how that is still revered but you know, you're not going to touch these originals, especially you got Elvis Presley cover in there to look up to, right? But Springsteen does a good version of it. Does the spoken word off the top, same as the originals. Uh, the bass drum sounds good. It's very a warm sounding bass drum on that. The band on this, and as I read through most of this stuff, is Ron and Yellow is playing most of the instruments on this. For this track, we have Springsteen on lead vocal, Ron and Yellow playing drums, bass, percussion, guitar, vibes, piano, and organ. As well as we have the E Street Horns on there. E Street Horns are provided by uh, Kurt Ram on trumpet, Barry Daniellen on trumpet, Clark Gayton on trombone, Bill Holloman on tenor saxophone, Ed Mannion on baritone sax, and Tom Timka on baritone sax as well. We also have strings on this, which I assume are going to carry through through most of these songs. There's a string section here uh, in the credits as uh, Rob Mathis. He's the string arranger conductor. We have Lisa Kim concert master sandy park is the string contractor strings recorded by alex van guerra van guerra and uh, ian kagi and rob labrette strings were recorded at the power station uh, in new york city yeah ron and yellow uh, his production i'm not really a fan like he's been working with springsteen for when was the first record he did wrecking ball was that 2012 i think that's his first collaboration with springsteen Brendan O'Brien did working on a dream, right? The record before that. So anyway, I think he's been working with Ron and Yellow uh, a lot, <laughs> too much. You know, I think producers should get you know three records, and then you got to move on. You got to get something else. I don't know. Just Ron and Yellow. He's I'm impressed by his musicianship. If he's playing all these instruments, it's incredible. But it's just got such a I don't know. Like the thing about these original soul songs and the recordings, which I love so much, is that. It's a combination of the great songwriters, the great singers, and the great bands that played on all these songs, right? We're looking at Motown stuff, Stax, Philly, Atlantic, all the Muscle Shoals guys, all these studio cats, which are at the top of their game, recording these songs live. So there's all these little characteristics in this song, which make them special, which I, I don't hear in this production, right? It's just a little flat. Like, it sounds, it sounds great, but it's just not special. You know what I'm saying? So there we go. Only the Strong Survive. There's my first impressions on that song. My ex expectations were good vocal by Bruce, production is okay, and not as good as the original. Strings are nice on that one, though. All right, so next up we got the second song. This is called uh, Soul Days. This is with Sam Moore. Now, out of the 15 songs on this record, I knew 12 of them. Three of them I did not. This is one of the songs I did not know. This song was written by Johnny Barnett. And it was recorded by Dobie Gray on, I believe, his last record before he died. It was released in 2000. This song is Soul Days. I woke up feeling the sunshine Drift across my face it took me back to emotions From another time and place Those yesterdays Cruising in my Chevrolet I held my baby in my arms But my first love was always those songs I'm talking about
Gray's lead back song, Soul Days. It's got that kind of Dobie Gray vibe to it. Drift Away was a song that Springsteen covered there back in 85. Uh, famously with little Steven guesting with him on the Born in the USA tour. One of the special appearances there. Cool little drum intro on that. You got to have that soul drum intro, right? That's such a trademark thing. Motown would have that uh, drum intro thing all the time. And special guest appearance on this song, Sam Moore, everybody. Right? The great Sam Moore from Sam and Dave lending some harmony vocals on here. Right? It's great stuff. A great summertime vibe on this track. You know, we're getting this song as we're approaching winter. Which is, I don't know, man, this would have been a great release for the summertime. You know, soul music is such a summertime vibe for me. So, this is a very summery kind of song, right? So, yeah, very smooth vocal by Springsteen. And I'm going to keep repeating myself, right? I'm not sure about the production. The horns sound good on this one. And once again, we got Ron and Yellow playing all the instruments. So, I don't know what he's doing here. Is he actually playing drums or is he sequencing drums? Are these, are these programmed drums? Because they sound pretty... They sound good if they're like drum machine sounds. They sound great, but... I don't know, it's almost too perfect, right? It doesn't have a, I don't know, soul music has got to have that human groove to it, that human feel to it, you know, to connect. So I don't know, it's the the production is a little glossy, as Ron and Yellow is, is known for, but uh, like I said, the vocal is great, horns sound good on this one. I like the end where they're kind of throwing out some names here. Springsteen's like, I want to hear some Wilson Pickett, some Joe Tex, some Sam and Dave, right? Sam's like, woo, yeah, Aretha Franklin. Uh, Sam calls it Ray Charles, Arthur Conley. I think he mentions Edwin Starr there at the end, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a cool one. Soul Days, Soul Days. All right, so next up, third song is Night Shift. This was written by uh, Walter Orange, Dennis Lambert, and uh, Fran Gold. This is a Motown song. This was released in 1985 by the Commodores. Now, this is the Commodores without Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie had started his solo career a few years earlier and left the Commodores, and this was kind of their... Their comeback hit without Lionel Richie. This was a huge song in 1985. Springsteen does a good version of this. I've heard this before. This was a one of two songs kind of he released as a, a singles before the record came out. So I checked out this one. Uh, this is pretty cool. Night Shift. Another home, 
Jeff, that was a pretty good one. Pretty faithful to the original 85 version. It's cool that he's covering a song from the 80s here. And it was, I guess it was like a contemporary song to when he was on his Born in the USA tour and promoting that album. You know, I can see Springsteen going, yeah, that's a good song, man. I like that night shift. <laughs> so it's cool to hear him cover that. Uh, we get some programmed percussion off the top. Uh, once again, Ron and Yellow playing all the instruments on this one. The, like the program stuff, I don't know, it sounds, it sounds whack to me. Congas and tambourines, like just have a fucking guy play it. It sounds so much better when there's a human element to these songs, especially soul songs, but whatever. Like the concept behind this record was kind of just a project, I think, for Springsteen to, to work on his voice, and he probably didn't even intend for it to come out as a specific release. But, you know, over over the pandemic and... I guess he's just like, yeah, let's just put it out, man. Let's have some fun. Let's put it out. So I'm just I'm looking at it with a with a critical eye here, but uh, you know that's I got that's what I gotta say. Just the program stuff it sounds kind of whack. But the guitar sounds good. I guess that's Ron playing guitar. We have some good background vocals on this. Uh, background singers are Curtis King Jr., Dennis Collins, and Fonzie Thornton. Right, Fonzie's great. I remember him because obviously he's got a great name, Fonzie. Right? <laughs> And he sang on so many records. Uh, I think he did some stuff with the Stones. I know him from uh, Chic, those, those great Chic records in the 70s. He sang on those. But yeah, vocals are great on this. Is with Bruce. You know, uh, this is a great song. Night Shift is a beautiful song, right? Tribute to uh, Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson, who had passed away. I love the pre chorus on this, into that chorus where they have the backbeat on the four, like the dun, 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 Right, that sort of rhythmic thing kind of gives you that groove to dance to, and then they kind of when they turn it into do 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 do, and they do the backbeats on two and four. Oh, talk to me on the pre-chorus stuff is is great. Right when they go back and forth between that two and four and that four backbeat. So, ah, good song, man. Night shift. All right, next up we got the fourth song on side one, and uh, what's the what's the what's this one called? This is. uh, this is Do I Love You, Indeed I Do, which was a song that he released as kind of a, the first single off this record, ahead of the record. It came out in, about, I think, early September is when he, he dropped this single. This song was originally written by Frank Wilson and recorded by Frank Wilson in 1965 for Motown. This is one of the three songs that I don't own, that I didn't know before this record. Did a little research on this song. Uh, you're not going to get much research out of me from this episode. Like I said, it's just kind of a first impression, first listen thing. Just all this stuff is coming off the top of my head, right? I didn't make notes for this. But this song I looked up uh, you know, a couple months ago when he released this song. Frank Wilson was this guy. He turned into a singer-songwriter producer. He wanted to like sing, I guess. He tried it as a singer and entertainer himself. And he put this record out. And apparently uh, 250 demos of this were, were pressed. Right, but Barry Gordy didn't want to release it. He didn't think the vocal was up to par with the other material, the other artists that he was releasing on the label, on the Motown label. So he destroyed all these demos, all all 250 copies. So there's probably only like two to five in existence in the world today, <laughs> and one of them is definitely in Barry Gordy's possession. So let's check this out. The first single off "Only the Strong Survive." Do I love you? Indeed, I do.
good one. We're cooking now. You get a distorted guitar off the top with a glockenspiel. It's got that Springsteen sound. Every time you hear that glockenspiel, right? It sounds like Springsteen. Strings come in. Uh, we get a yell from Springsteen. And band kicks into that uh, kind of Motown stack soul stomp on the drums with the uh, with the uh, backbeat on all four. We got a, what, a, the Motown bass line underneath there, right? Good stuff. Up tempo. This guy is testifying and proclaiming his love to the world. Does he love her? Indeed he does, right? <laughs> and then one thing I saw that was kind of interesting on this, uh, reading the liner notes here, it says, uh, it says, contains a sample of the recording, Do I Love You? Indeed I Do, as performed by Frank Wilson, courtesy of Motown Records. So I'm wondering what element was that? I listened and I couldn't pick it out. So there's obviously something in there that they sampled and they built the track around it. Maybe a, maybe a drum beat or a bass line or something like that. I don't know what. Or maybe they kind of just took a loop from that song and created, I don't know, who knows. Frank and Yellow, he's a crazy guy, man. I'm not sure. I would like to kind of maybe listen to an interview with him or read something about him. I'm not really familiar with that guy or what his background or where he gets his ideas from. I don't know. Sounds too glossy to me, though, right? Obviously, technically proficient. He's playing all the instruments on this. Right, save for the string section, the horns, and the background vocals, which are provided by uh, Susie Tyrell singing background on this one. Who else? Lisa Lowell and uh, Michelle Moore. So some familiar background singers are, uh, are are helping Springsteen with this one. But yeah, good song, good uh, good fun song. Organ solo on there by Ron and Yellow. We're rocking. We're having fun. Do I love you? Indeed, I do. All right. Next up is going to be the last song on side one, side uh, track five. The sun ain't gonna shine anymore, right? The sun ain't gonna shine anymore. <laughs> what a great song. Written by Bob Crew, Bob Gaudio. Originally, Frankie Valley released it, right? Bob and Bob were guys that were working with the Four Seasons. They all wrote all those great songs for Frankie and the Four Seasons. Frankie had a version of this song in 1965, but the, the version everybody knows is from 1966. The Walker Brothers had that incredible version. So let's see how Springsteen does on The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. off the top, you get an epic build by the drummer, bump, 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 into the intro, uh, a little break it down there for the first verse. The vocal effect sounds kind of like stuff that was on The Promise, right, that record that he was making while he was making Darkness on the Edge of Town, the, the outtakes, some of those outtakes that had that soul R&B vibe kind of had this vocal style on them, this vocal effect, lots of big reverb on this, sounds like he's singing in a fucking auditorium or something like that, right? Hard song to sing, so uh, great job, boss, right? Good singing on this. The, the bridge is kind of odd. The bridge loses some of the groove. He goes into this kind of guitar lick. It seems seems a little different to me. I don't know. 
I don't know, that one kind of, that threw me off, but uh, I don't know, whatever. The song sounds epic with the strings, right? Just one of the greatest songs ever. And uh, yeah, like the other ones, right? The production is all right. It's not special. It's very, sounds great, but it's not, doesn't have those kind of unique characteristics. Uh, not as good as the original, right? The Frankie Valley version is great. His voice, I just hear it with that kind of high Frankie voice, falsetto, not falsetto, which is that high squeak of Frankie Valley, right? And, or the Walker Brothers, which have the, the defining, the, the quintessential version of which, which is incredible. But I can tell this is probably a song Springsteen always loved and just wanted to try it, right? So he does a good job on it. And you get Ron and Yellow on background vocals on this. And uh, yeah, Springsteen does a couple, couple of good ad-libs on the, on the very last chorus, which were, uh, uh, made my ears kind of peek up there. So that's it for side one. We're going to flip the record over. And we're going to drop the needle here. The needle's going to drop on Turn Back the Hands of Time, which was a song by Tyrone Davis from 1970, written by Jack Daniels and Bonnie Thompson. Davis cover, Turn Back the Hands of Time, that was released from uh, Atlantic, right? So he's covering Atlantic Records, which had some great soul and R&B stuff too. So he's covering all the good ones, right? Stax is coming up, Motown, Philly, covering all the all the soul bases here, right? So this one's similar to uh, Do I Love You. Uh, this is written here in the notes. Contains excerpts from Turn Back the Hands of Time featuring Tyrone Davis. So there's a sample in there somewhere. What do they, they drop? They must have looped something or I don't know. I couldn't really hear it. Sounds like they maybe dropped something in there and built a song from uh, from that up because it's the same tempo as the original, right? Same arrangement as the original, right? Can't beat it. Why bother, right? It's the best, right? So just a good time vibe on this song. I actually had to get up and dance during this song, you know, shake a little bit. <laughs> it's hard not to, right? It's a toe tapper. Just a good time vibe, right? You know, a little thing on the pre-chorus there. It's kind of got that James Bond vibe with a ding, 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 that sort of semitone three note thing up and down I don't know if that's on the original but it, this stuck that stuck out to me uh, on this version listening to this back for the first time here pretty good though man I gotta say I'm impressed with this record it's better than I thought it's pretty much what I thought like I said the production is going to be just average it's going to be good but too slick and the Springsteen vocal is just going to be killer and you know not as good as the original you're like you're, you're setting the bar real high right trying to trying to hit these songs. I looked at the track listing in advance to see what songs he was covering, and I was just like, wow, he's going to try that? So, yeah, man, good stuff, Bruce. And I'm wondering what it's going to sound like when the band starts touring next year. Are they going to throw some of these songs into the show? I hope so, right? He's going to have about 30 or 40 new songs to play with when the E Street Band goes back on tour in 2023. Right? we got Western Stars. we got uh, Letter to You. We got this record too. So even if they pull like I don't know ten or fifteen songs from those three records, it'll be interesting. 
you know, I could see a couple of these songs in the encore. I would love to hear this with the E Street Band rather than the studio session stuff. But I know, you know, that's how Springsteen works. He's just doing this as a project. He's not going to bring the whole band in to work these late hours, right? This, he was calling this team of Ron and Yellow and the engineer uh, Rob LeBray the night shift, right? So I guess these guys would work late hours whenever Springsteen wants to at his home studio kind of thing, right? And you can't really ask you know, the E Street guys to just kind of work on call like that. So, uh, yeah, anyway, though, good stuff. Let's go on to second track of side two, which is When She Was My Girl, covering the Four Tops. Right? I love the Four Tops, right? No, so they were a Motown band, but this song he's doing, When She Was My Girl, this is like a disco Four Tops song, right? The, the Four Tops kind of did little disco stuff there in the late 70s. They left the Motown label. And they were actually on Casablanca, which was the record label that was uh, Kiss were on. But Casablanca was also Donna Summer and the Village People. And they had a lot of disco bands, right? Including the Four Tops, who put out a couple of disco records around this time. Including this song, When She Was My Girl, written by uh, Larry Gottlieb and Mark Blatt. So uh, let's hear how Bruce does it. song and great song selection kind of a deep cut going for like a, a four top song you know not one of their 60s classics not one of the kind of early Motown four top songs tops are one of my favorite soul bands of all time probably my favorite Motown artist is the four tops but you know Bruce chose like a disco four top song from the 1981 era like Casablanca disco era right so this song has got the four to the floor disco groove on the drums there it's got some fake percussion in there. It's got those congas in there. I just wish it was real. I wish it had that kind of real band vibe to it. Like, there's some videos that he's released for a couple of songs on this. And it shows they're just kind of live performance videos. And it shows a band on stage there, like a 20-piece band with Springsteen. And it looks good when you see a band. But when you read these credits and it's like Ron and Yellow playing everything. And then a couple of background singers, some horns, and some strings. I don't know. It's just an odd vibe. It's, it's creating an odd thing. I don't know. What, what am I talking about? <laughs> if it sounds good, it sounds good to you, right? But uh, I'm being critical here on the, on these first listens. But, uh, you know, cool song, man. You know, it's very faithful to the original. You know, a lot of these versions he's doing are faithful to the originals. He's not trying to 
change these arrangements, trying to create something new out of these songs. I think Springsteen respects the songwriting and the arrangement of these songs, right? The, the singing on these songs. He's not changing any of the melodies. He's kind of almost doing this as an exercise, I can see. Here are some of his favorite songs that he loves. He's going to try and sing them. And I'm sure he thought that, like, you know, maybe he's not going to be able to hit these vocals because here he is in his 70s now and he's setting the bar high with, you know, trying to sing along with Levi Stubbs. But uh, he's doing a good job, right? Like he said in that clip, like, he's singing like a good old man. He's a good old man out there singing these songs, right? So it's super cool, right? I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. Background vocals sound good on this. Uh, we got some guys singing with him on this time. We got the uh, the background vocal tandem of Curtis King Jr., Dennis Collins, and Fonzie Thornton. So let's move on. The next song on side two is Hey, Western Union Man. This was another song that I didn't know prior to this record. This was one of the three songs that I didn't have in my collection and I kind of had to look up. Hey, Western Union Man. Written by Jerry Butler, Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, right? That great songwriting team, the Philly guys. This is the Philly Sound. Original version was released by Jerry Butler in 1968. Let's see what Bruce does with Hey, Western Union Man. Western Union Man, send a telegram to my baby. Send a telegram, send a telegram. Starts with that figure with the drums and the uh, the horns hitting that part. Yeah. So this one's the same thing. Ron and Yellow playing all the instruments. I guess he's playing drums on this, right? Like I said, I'm skeptical if it's a real kit because some of the stuff sounds like just too perfect. Maybe he's a kick-ass drummer that I'm not really aware of. (laughs) I don't know. If this is real drums, really good, man. Laid back groove on this. I would like to hear the backbeat maybe a little bit further, deeper in the pocket, kind of like that Al Jackson thing. Like if Al Jackson was playing this, it would be just a little bit behind the beat there with that snare drum in the pocket. But it sounds great. But I love the like kind of slower groove on this. Really, really uh, kind of like it simmers, right? It's not cooking. It's it simmers, right? It's like a like a nice bowl of chili on the stove. They're just simmering and just bubbling a little bit there on this groove here. <laughs> The horns and strings in the backgrounds are so nice, right? It's so pretty when you just magically make that arrangement of the horns and the strings and the, and the background vocals. It's such a nice bed for Springsteen to kind of sing on top of, which is uh, really cool there. And I love that that uh, that hook on the chorus where he's like, uh, send a telegram, send a telegram, come on, send a telegram, man, to my baby, right? <laughs> Good one. But once again, 
Not as good as the original. Production is a little too slick, maybe. The vocals are incredible. You know, I would love to hear what the East Street Band does with something like this. Where it, would, it would kind of be more organic and more of a real, raw, 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 live kind of thing. Looking forward to next year. I hope he busts some of these songs out on the tour. So next up, oh, this is a big one. I saw that he was putting this song on this, uh, on this uh, collection, and I was just like, wow, is he going to sing this one? Because the next track on side two is I Wish It Would Rain, written by uh, Norman Whitfield, Barrett Strong, and Roger Penzabine. Uh, Motown song, originally done by The Temptations in 1966. David Ruffin singing his ass off on the original Let's See What Springsteen Does with I Wish It Would Rain. on that I love that piano like do 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 right cool shit great lick solid singing by Bruce on this I was skeptical going in like this is a this is a heavy duty song right and you know if David Ruffin if I give him a 10 out of 10 on his singing ability I give Bruce maybe an 8 on this one Bruce really does a good job I love when he's singing that uh, he does that I uh, wish it would rain like the ooze he does on that are pretty good, right? He hits, he gets them up there. Sound pretty good. I just don't hear the tears in his eyes like I do when I hear David Ruffin sing it. You know what I mean? So, pretty faithful arrangement to the original, uh, like the others, right? Production is good, maybe too slick. Singing is phenomenal, not as good as the original. Good effort, man, and, and kudos for for uh, having the balls to try and sing. I wish it would rain. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the last song on side two, which is, uh, where's the list here? Uh, Don't play that song, I think. Yeah, Don't Play That Song, which was originally recorded by Benny King. It's written by Amit Erdogan, who was the guy that worked for Atlantic Records, and uh, Betty Nelson. Betty Nelson was Benny King's wife, right? And this song, Don't Play That Song, came after Stand By Me. Benny King had that huge hit with Stand By Me in 61 and then in 62 he released this song on Atlantic or it might have been Akko which was like a subsidiary of Atlantic Records but that version that they came out with in 62 the Benny King version is very similar to Stand By Me like it had that do 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 
do do do do do had that kind of rhythm going in there and strings in the background. It's almost like they were trying to duplicate the arrangement and the vibe of Stand By Me on this follow-up single, Don't Play That Song. But then what happened in, in 1970, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, covered it, right? So she did a version, which I think is a lot better than Benny King's version. She has more of a swing to it, and it's uh, it doesn't mirror that kind of Stand By Me arrangement. So I'm intrigued to see which version Springsteen goes with. Does he go with the Benny King kind of Stand By Me vibe on this song? Or does he go with the Aretha kind of swinging it in 1970 vibe? Uh, I'm really excited to find out what he does here. Let's hear this. Springsteen doing Don't Play That Song. Okay, so Bruce kind of went with the Aretha version on that one, doing the uh, kind of swing, kind of shuffle thing. But it doesn't swing as hard. You need Aretha Franklin on the piano, right? Aretha plays piano on all of her tracks, and uh, most of the tracks anyway, and very underrated piano player. And on her version of that, the piano was just setting the tone, and it's such a groove. So that's, uh, that's missing from this version. Uh, kicks off with a bit of a fake kind of live intro thing where it sounds like it was crowd noise. And Bruce is like, let's bring the band in. And the tune kicks off. And it's the one-man band of Ron and Yellow again, right? <laughs> Although on this song, Bruce has a guitar credit. I think this might be the only song where he plays guitar. Oh, there's another one coming up. But, uh, is that two songs? Yeah, maybe two songs only. Oh, actually, Springsteen played lead guitar on Turn Back the Hands of Time. I missed that. I don't think I mentioned that. I'll have to go back and listen to that guitar solo. So Springsteen has a guitar solo on Turn Back the Hands of Time. And, uh, oh, I guess he plays guitar on Soul Days as well. All right. So uh, maybe three or four songs he's playing guitar on. He plays guitar on this one. Uh, and Ron and Yellow does the rest. And then obviously we've got the background vocals and the strings and the horns on there. Uh, what else? Hand claps are cool in this one. There's a spoken word m- middle section he does. Kind of like over a bridge where he does kind of that uh, talking blues, talking singing kind of thing. You'll, you, you know the style, but uh, I don't think that's on the Aretha version or the Benny King version. I'll have to go back and listen to those. Like I said, I didn't do any research really for this episode. You're getting the first impressions of my first listen here. But that kind of stuck out to me. That was kind of neat. And the breakdown bit is kind of similar to uh, uh, Aretha, where it just goes down to the kind of background vocals and hand claps, and then it uh, comes back up. But uh, yeah, I could definitely hear this with the E Street Band next year. Hopefully, we'll get some live versions. This one will be good. And uh, can you imagine little Steven singing with Bruce on these? Like, little Steven must be like, 
Oh, come on, Bruce. How come you didn't call me, right? <laughs> like, these songs would be so much better if there was some little Steven background vocals on, like, half of these tracks, right? It would be such a thing, you know, but I guess that's what Bruce doesn't want. He wants a solo record. I don't know why. That's the thing that's missing from making this an exceptional record, right? Right now, it's a good record, but it could be incredible if it had some of these other elements that I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, that's my opinion after my first listen to that track. Don't play that song. Let's go on to the second LP of uh, the second of two LPs on this set here. Side three, I guess it would be. We're going to drop the needle on uh, a mo- uh, We're getting into some stack stuff now. We're going to drop the needle on a stack song written by William Bell, Any Other Way. Springsteen covering some stack stuff, covering William Bell. William Bell wrote that song, Any Other Way. Now, William Bell did two versions of it. He had an original version from 62, and then he covered it later in, on the, uh, was it 67, on the Soul of a Bell record, where he did that song, Any Other Way, but he did a different version of it. And this version that Bruce is doing is not like any of those. Uh, It's a lot faster. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just used to original I, I like the originals a lot better than this one Bruce on guitar on this track again So I guess there's like four tracks on this 15 song record that Bruce plays guitar on Not enough as far as I'm concerned And uh, yeah, where's little Steven on the background vocals, man? <laughs> he's just so missed uh, After I said that on the last segment there I'm going to say, yeah, these would sound so great Because, you know, Springsteen's singing soul music live And hearing little steven do that harmony vocal with him it's just that's fantastic right so it's tremendous so that's a bit missing on this but uh yeah i realize it's a solo record he's not going to bring the street band in for this stuff but i'm uh i'm anxious to hear it next year on tour i hope he brings some of these songs into the set list uh good tune great lyrics one of my favorite stack songs uh big build on the bridge here and they go into a key change i believe for the last verse so that's very unique kind of an arrangement thing to this song so uh any other way and i guess bruce is gonna dig some more on william bell and some more stack stuff the next song up on here on side three is i forgot to be your lover which was written by william bell and booker t jones booker t and william bell teamed up during the stacks years to become kind of a songwriting duo they wrote a, a bunch of great songs this is one of them which you can hear, I think, uh, Booker arranged a lot of the strings on the original here. So we'll see what Bruce does with this song. Does he uh, does he adhere to that incredible arrangement that uh, William Bell and Booker T put together for Stax, or does he do something different here? Let's hear Springsteen on I Forgot to Be Your Lover. Have I told you Lately that I love you 
Well, if I didn't, darling, I'm sorry Did I reach out and hold you in my loving arms? Oh, when you needed me Now I realize that you need love too And I'll spend my life making love to Okay, that one I really liked. That was fucking great. That could be my favorite song so far, I think. Bruce delivered on that one, man. Kills the vocal. Phenomenal. And we get Sam Moore supporting on harmony vocal. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't look at that ahead of time, but uh, phenomenal doing the harmony stuff there. And this opens with uh, this great kind of reverb guitar off the top. Strings and the glockenspiel come in. And then we get like organ and Bruce on the first verse, kind of really sparse. I like this a lot. Very similar to that arrangement of the original. So, uh, yeah, I love the slow groove on this one. Yeah, this one's great. I love this one. This could be my favorite song so far. So, uh, that was a really good version of one of my uh, favorite William Bell songs and one of my favorite Stack songs. So, what do we got next here? We're going into the uh, we're going into the third song on the last side, and this is kind of a deep cut. Another four top song here, Seven Rooms of Gloom. I guess it's not a deep cut. It was a single. This was released in 1967 by the Tops. This is the Motown era of the four tops. Springsteen did that song earlier, When She Was My Girl, which was the Casablanca disco era of the tops. But uh, this one written by Holland Dozier Holland, right? That incredible songwriting trio of Brian Holland, Eddie Holland brothers, and Lamont Dozier wrote so many great songs, including this one, Seven Rooms of Gloom. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what Springsteen does with this one. I see a house, a house of stone, a lonely house, because now you're gone, just seven rooms, that's all it is, seven rooms of gloom. I live with emptiness, without your tenderness, you took the dream I had for us, and turned that dream It was pretty good. It was pretty good, but you're not going to touch the tops. But, like, Springsteen is setting the bar high. He's really, like, shooting high here. That's a tough song to do, right? Vocal intro does, like, a spoken word on top of that. It's kind of cool. But it just made me want to listen to Levi Stubbs, right? It just want to make me put the original on. It's got a good frantic groove when the band comes in. He's got the, like, 16th notes on the tambourine. There's no Jack Ashford, right? Jack Ashford's the guy that played in all those Motown songs with the tambourine. Like, great stuff. 
with the tambourine with the skin on it, so he would smack it with his hand while he's kind of getting the timing going. So, uh, but uh, you know, that's the vibe they're going for here on this year. And the and the verse like that desperation, desperation in the singing here. Right? It's 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 tough. It's tough to do sing like that, right? Springsteen's doing a pretty good job here. Minor chords on the verse there. Got that desperation in his voice, right? He's in this house that's empty because his, his woman is gone now and everything is gone from this house. He's just living in seven rooms of gloom, right? <laughs> I love that line in the melody. Uh, I live with emptiness without your tenderness, right? So cool. Great version, but not as good as the original, right? The, the original is a masterpiece, but great song, great song, great song to cover. I love the fade, too. It fades out when he's, uh, Bruce is kind of screaming there, ad-libbing, uh, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? All right, so it's picking up there. I like that one a lot, too. So the last couple of songs here on uh, on side three I dig here. These two could be my favorite here so far. This one, Seven Rooms of Gloom, and the previous to that, uh, I Forgot to Be Your Lover. Dig these ones a lot. Okay, here we go. Now talk about aiming for the sky here, picking a hard song to sing. Next up, we got What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, one of the greatest songs of all time, right? written by William Weatherspoon, Paul Reiser, James Dean. Uh, 1966, Jimmy Ruffin, right, the older brother of David Ruffin from The Temptations, had this song out. Uh, what becomes of the broken hearted? One of the greatest songs of all time. Let's see what Springsteen does with it. As I walk this land of broken dreams, I have visions of the bad starts with a drum intro right and i love when that lick comes in with the string stabs right i get shivers i love that lick the organ is nice under the verse there kind of breaking it down and a great tempo right right in the sweet spot not too fast not too slow they really nailed the tempo on this but uh that's about all I can say, right? I just keep thinking I would rather hear the original Jimmy Ruffin version. So I think with this record, what I'm coming to is kind of like, you know, I, the originals are always what I want to hear, but this is kind of a nice thing as a whole if you want to hear Springsteen sing because his vocals are tremendous on this. I'm really blown out by his vocals. And the arrangements are, are solid. The musicianship and the production is solid. It's just nothing special. Right, and it's not as good as the originals. Like, but like I said, the originals are so fucking great. These are like some of the greatest songs in the history of songs. Right, good tune. I love the outro there. I'm gonna find my way. I'm gonna find my way. So next up, last song in the record, last song on side three, song fifteen. And I just put this together earlier. I was talking about uh, what was the vocal? Was it the sun ain't gonna shine? Where it had all the reverb? or something like that on the vocal and I, I made the uh, connection that it sounded like that, that stuff that he was doing back on the Promise record back in the late 70s there some of that R&B soul flavored stuff he had that vocal effect and it sounded like some of that stuff and uh, the next song he's doing here is Someday We'll Be Together right the uh, Supreme song written by Johnny Bristol uh, Jackie Beavers and Harvey Fuqua originally the song was out in 61 uh, the, this uh, group called Johnny and Jackie 
had it, had it out. And then 69, eight years later, the Supremes did the definitive version of it. And it was the final number one of their 12 singles. They had 12 singles that went to number one. And this was the, the last of those 12 singles to go to number one. Someday we'll be together. But there's that song on The Promise that Springsteen sings. Uh, Someday we'll be together. And the lies will fall all around you. Right? Something like that. So that's a great song off that. And it's kind of got that slow soul vibe with that vocal effect on that. So I think it's kind of cool that he's covering this song. So that's a long way to get to the fact that this is the last song. uh, Springsteen covering the Supremes. Someday we'll be together. Let's take a listen on this. solid version halfway through that I started grooving and I forgot that I was supposed to be like keeping mental notes in my head here so <laughs> so yeah it was a nice groove there swaying me on the way out nice way to close the record starts with the strings off the top it's got that lush long intro and it builds until you get that vocal hook with the uh, someday we'll be together and you get the background vocals only on that hook and then Bruce comes in for the first time on the first verse not much else to say about that. Like I said, I kind of zoned out halfway through there. Like, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Kind of grooving, floating on those clouds, man, those soul clouds. <laughs> so that's the record, man. And my, my synopsis on my first listen, my first impressions here, my expectations were true that you know the singing was going to be phenomenal. Bruce does a great job on the vocals. The production is slick, a little too slick. Uh, the musicianship, I didn't know it was going to be Ron and Yellow playing the whole record, like doing all mostly all the instruments except for the horns and the strings and the background vocals. But, uh, you know, I'm impressed. Not really sure what's a real instrument and what's not. I assume there is some programmed percussion in there and maybe some drum loops and stuff like that. But uh, however he gets it done, the outcome is, is pretty good. You know, Springsteen approves of it, obviously. But these songs aren't going to be as good as the originals and he's he's playing some of the the greatest songs ever recorded some of the greatest songs ever written some of the greatest songs ever sung so i appreciate what he's done on this record here at 73 years old putting this stuff out after the first listen i really love the uh, i forgot to be your lover seven rooms of gloom was really good uh, what else did stand out for me there uh when she was my girl i loved because he kind of focused on that kind of disco era the four tops pretty good uh, Night Shift, that's a great song. 
<laughs> and I like that he's covering that from the, the 80s, kind of getting that 85 vibe on this record with a, with a great soul song there. So that's Only the Strong Survive. You know, I like the packaging on it. The double album looks good. The, the color scheme with the black and the yellow and the car, the green of the, uh, the muscle car. I'm still not sure what that is. Is that a Chevelle Plymouth? It's a, it's a, it looks like a Hemi. I'll have to talk to my dad see if he can identify this car here. <laughs> great packaging. And I was playing the vinyl. The vinyl sounds fantastic. I was lifting the needle after each song to give you my input there and then dropping the needle back for uh, the song-by-song, song, track-by-track analysis I gave you here. And then when I put the strode, I'm going to drop the digital in. But the record sounds good. If you got a turntable, I recommend picking the record up and uh, spinning it and uh, getting down with some Bruce Springsteen soul music. I hope you enjoyed this episode, me giving you my first impressions after my first listen on Springsteen's latest release, Covers Volume 1, Only the Strong Survive, I'd probably give it a solid 7 out of 10, maybe an 8 on a good day. I dig the record. I hope you hear some of these songs live with the E Street Band next year. That's what I kept thinking too, is, uh, wow, these would sound great with the E Street Band, with little Steven on some harmony vocals there. Gotta hear that. Gotta hear a couple of these next year. So I hope you dig it. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk with you next time. Comes crawling through the mist. I awake from a dream and my heart begins to drift. Tonight,
that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page. Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. Performing Do I Love You, Indeed I Do, from his new album, Only the Strong Survive, once again, Bruce Springsteen! I want you Yeah.